No matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People Process Service, a Frontline Source Group podcast. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of People Process Service, a podcast brought to you here by Frontline Source Group. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the president, CEO, founder, all things Frontline Source Group. It's Bill Casco. Bill, great to talk to you once again. Great to do another episode of the podcast. How are you doing, man? I, I'm I'm doing wonderful, man. I've been on vacation for a few days, been back. I'm ready. I'm pumped up, ready to get after it and go on vacation again. <laughs> that's that's what the summer is for, right? You that's know, right. Just, uh, uh, we work between vacations, not quite like the Europeans, but you know, right. uh, we, we make the best of it. Uh, on this episode of People Process Service, we're really excited to welcome somebody who I know really, really well. Uh, his name is Greg Crumpton. He's a dot connector, really someone that that enjoys building relationships with people and connecting people. And that's why I, I think he's such a great person to have on the podcast. He's also a VP at a company called Service Logic, great company. Um, but the reason that we wanted to have Greg on People Process Services, I feel like he really embodies so much of what we like to talk about here on the show, and that is um, the people side of things. Who are the people in your life? Uh, the process. Greg's a big process guy, as you have to be in the HVAC business and then service. Uh, I've learned so much just hearing Greg talk about uh, what customer service means to him and how he's uh, evolved and adapted that over the years. So, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Well, Tyler, Bill, thank you both for having me. I'm uh... I'm excited because it's fun to be on this side of the mic, so to speak. Um, Tyler and I uh, have done some fun stuff in the past, and being able to reconnect with him on another podcast is really, really fun. And uh, the topics are, uh, you know, when I, when when you just describe what you described about the topics, it, it's you know, my mind starts just swirling of of fun stuff that we're going to talk about. So, looking forward to diving in for sure. Well, very, very excited to have you and appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, it's funny, I was looking over kind of your history and background. And, and again, the, the people process service part of it uh, was something that we came about when we realized we started the company, we started Frontline. And we talked about, you know, you build this organization and your people are your most important asset and how you, you gather all of that together and have to have the best people. And then, of course, to build a successful business, you have to have a process in a way to not only run the business, but to grow, nurture the individuals as they go on. And then you have to have a service. You have to give a service that gives uh, to your customer to keep your customer satisfied, have that longevity over time. And what we realized is that those three pillars are the exact same pillars of the way that we live our lives. And so it's very interesting when you put the two together and look at an individual, their background, where they came from, where they're at today. So when I looked at your background, first of all, you're in the HVAC business, which made me immediately go, I mean, it's the stupid joke, but it's like, you're a cool guy, right? Cool. Yeah, doc, Dr. Cool is what yeah. I like. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Dr. Cool. So when I saw dot, dot connector, I thought, no, nah, really, he should really be like the, the doctor of connectors or something. But, uh, you know, the cool guy that's doing all this. But you think about the people and your history of what you've been through and really just kind of start from that part of it where the people and, and how you interact to get you to where you're at today you kind of just talk about that focus of, of what you do? You know, Bill, it, when, when you were explaining that, uh, three things flashed in my head. And when I was a young guy, I'm 58 uh, now, but when I was- I'm still young. I'm still young. <laughs> when I was uh, 25, 
or 28. I used to think about my business, the HVAC business, being three things, the technology around the air conditioning itself, the science and the math, the paperwork, which was how we communicated uh, with the, the customer as far as what we found wrong. But then, um, you know, having to deal with the people side of it. So the actual interaction. So I always thought those things were pretty equally balanced, you know, kind of the three-legged stool. And then the further I got into my career and the more that I, I, I learned and studied about people, it's really like 80, 10, 10. It's like 80% people, 10% process of, of the paperwork of, you know, how, how do we get from A to B? And then the science and the math is the other 10% with the heavy, heavy emphasis on the people, the communication, how you feel, how you act. You know, you guys have a nice office. If, if a technician comes into your office, how should they act? How do they respect your space? How do they clean up? How do they be courteous to the lady or the gentleman at the front door who helps engage them into your, you know, there, there's so much to the human side that uh, I think we grow into that. So I, I've certainly grown into that as time has moved forward. So always when you, kind of like when you look at the that history though, from where you started to where you are today, and you think about the people that that helped you get there, are there different times you think in your life when you recognized the the you have your internal people, your staff versus the external side of the way that you kind of you manage or you run your 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 life? Yeah, absolutely. And and oddly enough, I have started a new thing that's not a thing yet, but it's soon to be a thing that's called um, HVAC icons. And what this is going to be is a memorial or an, a, a, a site where you can go and honor these people that have helped you in your career. Because regardless of what industry you're in, people have those people who help them get to that next level. And it may be through somebody that gave you a ride to school when you didn't have a car. It may be somebody who helped you when you were struggling with a specific problem. Maybe it's somebody that bought you lunch, whatever it is. You have all these little nuanced things out there in your orbit that have impacted your life, your career, your education, whatever. So I'm going to make a way to memorialize those folks. But in doing that process, you know, I, I had all these people that came rushing into my head. And it started because I read an obituary this weekend. Uh, my wife and I were talking, and I happened to be looking for a person. And I found out the gentleman had passed away in January. This guy taught me so much in my first and second year of apprenticeship school that I don't think I ever got to tell him as an adult how much I appreciated what he helped me with. Now, he helped me in a couple of ways. He showed me the proper way, and it's a crazy way I got to thinking about it, but I got an RV that I got to do some rewiring on, so I was thinking about this one particular connector. And I remember Randy taught me how to properly crimp the wire for this type of wire so it would never break again. And that's what started this whole rabbit chase down the hole of, of finding this guy. But um, you remember things like that. I remember 
my dad teaching me things. My dad was my father, my friend, and my boss, and my teacher in trade school, all four things at one time, which was quite comical now. It wasn't very funny then. Probably, <laughs> probably funnier for me than it was him. But he taught me things about customer care and customer service that I wasn't able to process, but I was able to log it. And then right. as you mature into your job, as you mature into relationships, you go, ah, that's what he meant. And you, you're able to start, you know, I, I guess you're starting to put together a, 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 a trail of successful moments and tie those things together to help you get to where you're going. So a long way of saying I'm flooded with memories and moments of people helping me in technical ways, in human ways, in in business ways that right. it, I'm overloaded with them in, in such a good way. So we have, we have a, a gentleman that works with us, uh, Mike Cook, we call him grocery store Mike. So he specializes in, uh, he specializes in placing individuals in with, for the grocery industry. Hmm. And uh, the story is 40 years ago, Mike and I worked together sacking groceries in a grocery store. And we were both same deal, influenced by someone who he passed away about 10 years ago. And Mike and I reconnected three or four years ago. And that connection was still, it still resonated with me so strong that I'm pretty much, I'm very much the man I am today because of this person influencing me at the age of 17, 16, 17, 18 years old. And Mike had the same experience. And when we connected again and realized that we actually, we created a scholarship uh, in his name uh, because this is a gentleman who we found out not only touched us, but once we did this and put it out there, we have had hundreds of people that have come out to say what an influence he was on them, good and bad. Uh, but at the end of the day, even if it was a bad experience, they look back at it and say what a difference uh, they are today because of having that person in their life at that time. And that's where it's interesting. I think when you look at your history and, and going through an industry and what you've done and connected with individuals, you build on that as you go forward. We, we don't realize how influential and how important people are, uh, truly are in our day and the way that we interact and the way that we just operate as human beings. We kind of forget about it in a lot of ways until events happen or something happens that, rec that reminds you again and you go, wow, uh, that, that person really made a difference to me. Even a little thing like crimping of a wire I, when you said that, I was trying to think back. When was the first time I ever did that? And I and then I remembered, oh yeah, it was when I I, I did it as a kid. Took the socket off the wall and shorted out the house or something, you know. So I didn't I didn't get that lesson. But you know, when you when you think about where you've been to where you are today, those individuals that remind you of that are are that is just a very important part of who you are today. No, it really is, Bill, and and I I'm very fortunate in that. I'm at a point in life to where um, I'm able to reflect back on those people who influenced me. And I'm at a point to where people that I've influenced are beginning to tell me that. And man, you're talking about a humbling experience. Uh, I, I was a year ago, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, he and I worked together like a lot. 
like we were probably like married kind of working hours together. And um, he was telling me a story about one of his younger leaders that were up and coming within the organization. And the kid told the kid, the grown man told a story of how one morning I influenced his life and helped him make a decision that he is so glad that he made the way that I had suggested it go versus the way he was leaning towards. I never thought about it again until 20 years later, he tells the story one morning about how I was able to really kind of out of the blue, help him make a decision he was struggling with. And a lot of times, you know, I hope, I hope the gentleman that you and grocery store might hang out with, um, was able to know that because it's so rewarding. And I don't mean in a, in a grandiose backslapping kind of way, but just a mental uh, and an inward peace that you get when you know you've helped somebody um, without this big, uh, you know, fanfare. It's just kind of a quiet victory for me. Right. Well, and I think when you, when you look at that and you also watch a person grow and so, when you think about uh, the other pillar, this process is that one of the fun parts is that when you have that ability to to mentor, to grow, to show someone how to crimp a wire, and then you watch them or know that they're going to go do it on their own and they're going to be better at what they're doing, you create this process around you of of sharing that wealth of information. And I would I don't know I, I'm not an HVAC guy. I, I barely can, I know how to turn the temperature down in the house and get yelled at, but that's about as far and, and change a filter maybe. But, you know, you think about the intricacies of, of learning a, a trade like that, which to me, uh, the trade side of things in this country is it, it's not the same anymore. I mean, we're not, we need people that understand and know how to do this, but we don't promote it in the glamorous way as it used to be. For multiples of reasons, technology could be some, could be education, could be pay, whatever you want to call it. But when you think about it, it's such a necessity to have a process to give that back and to actually uh, teach someone else how to do things so that others can still learn the same trade and learn how to do things. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a point that, you know, we could talk for two weeks on because it's a topic that I'm very passionate about is trying to reestablish trade programs in public schools and other places. Um, it is the, the goal is the way I describe it, learn one, teach one. So if you learn a trade, your duty as a tradesperson is to teach another. So when Randy taught me how to crimp a wire, my job is to go help somebody else learn how to crimp a wire. And that's an overly simplified explanation. But the point is, if you were gifted with somebody anointing you with, with their time and their talent, let alone all the theoretical stuff you got in school. I mean, we all go to school at night uh, in, in my trade, most of us. And then you work during the day. So, yes, you're getting theory. But when you can go on to the job and you have these experienced journeymen that can help you apply theory, and now your job is to go help that next youngster, that's when things really start to click in the trades world. We missed a 30-year window because we took it out of public education. So we're now bringing that exposure and awareness back 
So there are a lot of people my age that get that fact that we need to give it back. But then we have a 30-year gap to the 25-year-olds who are just now understanding they have to learn enough to give it back. So uh, it's, a big, it's a big thing to overcome. But it really comes down to um, you know, the, the process that, as you described, the, that you build around you um, is how you should operate, you know, in my opinion anyway. Uh, I've always operated from an educational platform. Even when I was a commissioned salesperson, um, I never really, I wasn't good at selling. I was good at explaining and showing and counseling so that when someone was ready to buy, they knew what they wanted to buy. I, right. I, I really was not a good salesperson. I probably still am not because I don't sell anymore. But my goal was so that when I was in front of somebody, I gave them enough information so that when the need arose, they knew who to call. And I think that's part of my dot connecting uh, is being able to have counsel with people and coaching them and, and be an advocate and advisor without being known as that salesperson. So they didn't mind connecting me with their friends and family and colleagues. So that's how I kind of grew my network of you know what it is today was by being an educational, you know, spokesperson, I guess, for lack of a better word. Well, and Greg, can you explain maybe how you learned and developed some of those soft skills of talking to people and interacting? Because I know just from some of our conversations that sometimes it's not the technical aspect that's challenging for people that get into trades. Sometimes when it comes to HVAC and, and other trades, it's about developing some of those soft skills as well, where you learn how to educate, how to properly talk to people, how to interact uh, and do some of those things that ultimately um, are the building blocks of the process that makes you eventually successful. Well, Tyler, I mean, I think for, I can only speak for me, obviously, but what worked for me was presenting people with information in terms they could understand. Um, people didn't go to school to learn vapor compression. That's what I went to school for. So that I knew the compression ratio of a cylinder and a piston. Nobody cared about that. And that message was really brought home to me one day when I worked on this fairly complicated system and I identified a failed part, talked to the customer, got the approval, went back the next day, replaced that part, restarted it, found another failed part. These are all legitimate things that happen in big commercial systems. On the third day, my boss called and said, hey, um, what's going on with XYZ? And I said, well, I've found three faulty things. And today is the thermostatic expansion valve. He didn't know what that was. He was a business guy. He said, you know what, Crumpton, your customer doesn't care about the thermostatic expansion valve. What they care is that you're not making cold air come out of that ductwork and they're hot. And I remember driving to the job that day thinking, wow, that is really solid information. I got to figure out how to use because I'm all tied up in the technical, you know, I've got the system evacuated to 500 microns and I pressure tested it to 250 PSI. None of that mattered. What mattered was they were still hot. And I think by being able, as I matured, to think about it in those terms, it really helped me 
clarify my communication of what the problem was, what I thought the best solution was, and then present it to them so they could make an informed choice. You know, it's interesting when you, you talk about that change to that 20, 30 year gap, uh, which is, I, I agree, you could probably have a whole another two hours to talk about just that. But what, what do you think, what, what, what did we lose? Uh, where, where did we lose? Uh, and why, why is that there? Is it, was it technology changing? Was it a disinterest in something? I mean, what caused that? Well, I, I just read a really interesting book, Bill, that I would tell you, you anyone that, that wants to understand this question, uh, wants to have a good answer, could get a lot of information. It's called Men Without Work. And what happened, this is by a guy named Nick, uh, Nicholas Eberstadt. And we had several things that occurred at one time. We had technology come into the schools and into our lives. We had a population that came back from wars that did not want their offspring working physically like we had to work. Um, we also had single-parent homes becoming really prevalent. So we had these many, many things happening at one time. We also had a crime um, increase in the crime of our country that started in 1965 that is just a phenomenal amount of people that have been through the legal system that also takes them out of our, our labor pool, so to speak. Um, 22 million people have a felony conviction that are of working age, which I, I found just crazy numbers. But anyway, not not judging any of that, only speaking to the facts that we had several things occur when we started and, and I so I got out of high school in 1982. And when I graduated from high school, we had one computer in this, in the, uh, in the school and you programmed it with these punch cards. And I remember making a happy birthday banner out of this stupid punch card. Um, so you go from that to, this thing I'm holding in my hand in a period of 40 years, the whole world thought we had to learn electronics. We had to learn programming. Excuse me so much. We had to learn so much of the digitization of the world that people forgot about their toilets had to be flushed and repaired. People forgot that, uh-oh, I, I cut the light switch on and I didn't have any light come on. So, you know, we had enough of the, my, my generation, I'm the last year of the baby boomers, so we had enough of me to carry us to this point. But now, as the youngest boomer, we're retiring in droves, man. We lose 10,000 people a day from the blue-collar baby boomer crowd. We're not bringing anywhere near that many people into that equation. So I think that it was the culmination of all of those things and the high school guidance counselors played a huge role in it by saying you got to go to college or you're going to wind up being like that guy. That guy happened to be standing on a ladder changing a light bulb. You didn't want to be that guy. So right, then right. there became a stigma around the blue collar trades that we battle to this day. You know, people have this vision of what a plumber is, you know, it's the butt crack meme that we've all seen a million times, or right. it's the electrician, you know, with these sparks flying out of the panel. 
But nobody thinks about a radiologist technician. Nobody thinks about an MRI repair person. So you have all these things that we're so dependent on in our normal life um, that we, we simply took for granted that somebody was going to make happen. Well, all the somebodies are retiring. So funny story about me holding this iPhone up. Last week, I'm at a, a, a data center conference in Washington, D.C., and data centers are huge power consumers. There's no doubt about it. Well, the activists came to, to uh, you know, rain on the parade of our data center, but I found it really funny. They were all taking pictures and texting each other off of an iPhone, and I'm sitting there thinking, do they not know where that data is going? But <laughs> right. uh, yeah. it's kind of, kind of a funny story, but... I think the culmination of technology, aging, uh, a, a new generation, a, a creative way of thinking. People got turned on, and uh, you know, in the '60s, and we changed the culture, the work ethic shifted. So a lot of things happened at one time. I know it's a long answer, but I apologize. No, 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 no. It, it's great because there's not. I don't know that there. The hard part is it's not just one part. There, there. It's it's a, it's so many different pieces of it. And you touched on many of them. But when when thinking back, you know, uh, over the years, and we we talk about the people that are around us and business and the and the process of business and even the the service that we give. What about on your the personal side of you? What have you seen your personal life change uh, to get where you're at today? Both the people around you and the process, the way you live, and the service you give. What, what, how has that changed? Do you think? I think it's changed in a way where I don't take anything for granted anymore, for sure. Um, my sister has a PhD and my sister always begrudged the fact that me as a blue collar guy made more money than she did because she went to school for nine years. I went to school for four at night. So I've often had this thought process of, of my sister or her peers and how they thought blue collar people lived versus white collar people. So I've always really tried to look at my personal life of making sure that I'm living um, not above my means, but within my means, but also have a big circle of people that I've interacted with. So I've often tried to make sure I've blended with people that are not of my trade or they I didn't go to, to night school with them or whatever. I've just tried to increase the, the circle of influence, so to speak, so that I could learn more because people that go to college, uh, they learn a whole lot about being a social creature and they learn how to interact and they learn how to communicate and they learn how to deal with things that we don't get in a trades program back when I went through. We learned pressures, temperatures, voltages, and that kind of thing. We didn't... I didn't understand what a rush week was for a sorority and, and all the stuff that went around with that or, you know, pledging to a fraternity. Right. right. All, all the stuff that helps you mature as an adult, we, you don't get on the technical side or did not get. That is changing. We are doing soft skills training now. But I think uh, what it did for me was it made me look at things in a much broader spectrum. You know, I, I grew up in a blue collar household, but yet once a year, my mom would take me and my sister to go see a play and to a nice dinner so that we learned how to act 
properly in public and, you know, just more of a social presence, I think was a, a big thing that I, I've tried to carry forward. And, and then staying up to date on what's going on technology wise, history wise, um, trying to be politically astute without being politically active, uh, meaning I don't go out and petition anybody, but I'm aware why they are petitioning uh, different different groups. So I think um, you know I've been able to to broaden my horizons based on mixing with a different crowd because I started at a little bit in my mind of a negative gap of not being able to be mature enough to to know what I needed to know because I got out of high school early. Uh, I got out when I was 17 years old. And I was uh, had the, the mental capacity of probably a 12-year-old maturity-wise, so I had a long way to go and probably still do if you ask my wife. But that's just <laughs> kind of how I did it, you know. Right. And then the HVAC business is yeah. interesting as well to understand. How, what got you into that? What was, what was the passion behind that? So my dad was an industry guy. Uh, he worked for a large mechanical contractor in the Atlanta market uh, that a lot of my family worked at, has worked at over the years and currently still works at. Um, so I kind of grew up in the business and man, I love the business. You know, I'm one of these people that uh, when I was out of school, uh, out of high school or out of, out of grade school for a, a teacher's work day or what have you. I was with my dad at work and I was probably the only kid in the sixth grade who could braze copper tubing together or could, you know, crimp that wire improperly early. Um, so I had a natural uh, um, on-ramp, you know, with my dad. And once I began, I, I was a horrible high school student because I did not like school uh, and now I know why, because I wasn't challenged. It was too easy in my public school. So it was so easy. In fact, I didn't do any of the work, Bill. So I guess that's how easy it was. <laughs> so um, college, you know, for me was not on the table just from an academic standpoint, but I had zero desire. I was fortunate uh, in my last two years of high school, I was able to attend a, a half-day trades program at a local community college, and I fell in love with welding. Um, and that that saved me GPA-wise to where I could graduate. And once I began working at this company where my father and my aunt and my uncle and my future wife worked, um, I just really, really began to click. And when I started going to the apprenticeship program and under and, and taking the math and English and the not much English, but enough to write a sentence, the science, the electrical, I really started to excel. And I knew I had found my, my, my place in life I needed to be. So I go through this four-year apprenticeship school. Uh, I wind up teaching at that school the year I got out the, the next year and, and taught there for several years just because I love the industry and it, it's magic, man. I love it. So I love helping our young people that I now get, you know, exposure to 
in my company, we have about 6,000 people uh, across the North America. And I interact with, uh, believe it or not, a large majority of those that work in the field because I'm kind of the guy who owned the business, sold the business to Service Logic where I work. But I still get up on the roof, man. I'll go to California and jump on the roof with somebody and look at a problem they're having just because I enjoy it. And I get to spend time with young people. You know, we have we have a young guy in uh, Phoenix. His dad works for us. This young man works for us. I was able to spend a half day with this guy. He's 20 years old. And he's going to be a star. His dad's a star. This kid's going to be a star. But it's all about that one-on-one time uh, in something, and in, in our something's an industry that I really like to be part of. And when you're happy doing it, it's not hard to share. Well, and you know, that's probably a good kind of segue when we're kind of talking about all of this too, uh, wrapping up is, you know, looking at your industry today and you, your 40 years of uh, industry experience and, and the success you've had and still involved day in and day out, the service part now really at the end of our careers uh, what, what are you, what are you able to do or what do you want to accomplish or how do you even accomplish that to get people re excited about this industry again and get them involved in something where there's opportunity, uh, to, to, to grow and to have a career like that, a successful career. So for me, Bill, I get people excited about the industry because I talk about the the one or 2% of our industry that nobody knows about, which is mission critical cooling. And we talked about the iPhone in the data center earlier. So those, excuse me again, those have a, a very unique way of air conditioning. In fact, you don't, you don't air condition a data center, you reject heat from the data center because you're not concerned about the air, you're concerned about the equipment. I've been able to reach a lot of young people male and female, uh, which is a whole nother topic of, of how we attract more young ladies into the industry and, and veterans. Um, I've been able to talk to people and get them a little more excited about it from a mission critical aspect, as opposed to just making cold air come out of the hole in the ceiling. Like how, what, how can what I do every day at work impact the ability for my grandma to communicate to her grandkids across the country by tapping on this, this goofball device. And I think when we can explain things like that, or, or, you know, chat GPT is in the news right now. When you can explain to someone the, the math and science and electrical and energy that go into creating, when, when you ask chat GPT to write your book report because you're too lazy to read the book, um, what has to happen in order for it to render that story? What happens behind the scenes? What happens in the concrete building with no windows that allows that data to flow? And then once that data starts to flow, this heat comes into the atmosphere that you had to dissipate into the outdoors. If we can make it fun or at least um, challenging to think through or exciting, Rather than, you know, boring air conditioner with a filter, as you described, there's only one way to put a filter in, and that's the right way. So once you master it, you're really good at it. Hey, you've never been to my house. <laughs> well, 
you think about this. We, we work for a very large uh, company that does mass distribution of items that show up on your doorstep every afternoon. And these buildings that these people occupy have a hundred air conditioners on the roof of every one of their buildings. You can't get really excited about doing the maintenance on unit number 87 because the 86 that you just did are identical. How do you keep the energy to do the other 13 to get to the end with excitement? You know, so I think by showing people the different verticals within the industry, not just my industry, but anything, electrical is the same way, petroleum is the same way, oil rig. I mean, you could do all kinds of things. And if you think about each trade, so to speak, it has a different set of verticals within that trade that you don't even think about, you know, just because we take things for granted. But in that office you guys are sitting in is a sprinkler system, uh, you know, for fire protection. Somebody has to maintain the air compressor to make sure that that, you know, pre-action system works when it's supposed to. We don't think about things like that, but if you can explain that from a preservation of life, preservation of equipment, preservation of an asset, standpoint, it sounds a whole lot better than working on air compressor. Well, and and to take things back to your story, Greg, you know, there you were talking about just not being the best student in the world. I, is there a part of you that, especially from this service mindset and, and the service side of things, thinks that there are plenty of students out there that are like you that weren't great students or aren't great students, but would excel doing something with their hands and excel being outside and being on roofs or doing some of these jobs that just maybe have never been exposed to that. And if so, what what sorts of efforts do you take to make sure that um, that young people these days are exposed to these opportunities that exist? So Tyler, I know you're a hockey fan, so I think you have to use a Wayne Gretzky quote here is you skate to where the puck is going to be. And what that means for me when I say that is that we have to make the awareness of these trades available to young people of where they are. Where are they? They're on Instagram. They're on social media. They're on short segment video. So how do we communicate the fact that, you know, when your mom wants to flush the toilet, somebody has to know how to repair that toilet. But how do you do that when making that without making that sound really gross? Um, you have to be creative. You have to use social, and you have to hit people where they live. And doing a thirty-minute episode, a video of how to replace a toilet fill valve is not going to stimulate somebody to want to join that trade. But by showing some of the cool places that have toilets that have to be maintained, you may just spark the awareness. But I think you do that through uh, short content format, whether it be micro training, micro burst uh, advertisement, great podcast with Bill and Tyler. However, we're doing it, it's about awareness. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to maintain the toilets at the Vatican, right? Or something, you know, something like that. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because when I was walking around the Vatican, I was mesmerized at how antiquated but brilliantly engineered those mechanical systems were way back then you know it's like the the romans and their their uh 
water distribution. You know, they had that figured out a whole lot uh, earlier than anybody gives them credit for. But, you know, awareness is the key. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about the kid at church who graduated and doesn't know where to go. Uh, the kid who my buddy calls me and says, hey, my kid's got a degree in this and he, he can't get a job with this. What What do you think? And we get him an internship at Electrical and the guy blossoms. You know, it's just it's hand to hand combat. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's grab one, take one, learn one, teach one. It's really hand-to-hand, and there's no mass method that's going to win the battle other than people like me that are my age making sure that they give back on their way out. Yeah, and just for the record, chat GBT was uh, – that, that used to be called my little sister. <laughs> <laughs> Writing all your school essays. That's the way it used to work. Yeah, yeah. I, no, it's true. I mean, it all has changed, and it's one of those that – as you have to be able to give back. And Greg, I love the story uh, and that history of doing that. And I think you're right. We could probably talk for, I I know I could go for hours about uh, what we need to do to re-energize this entire generation, two generations about work ethics and about working and about ideas and concepts and and there's so many opportunities. You know, I I roll over every time I hear somebody go, I can't find any work or I can't find this. And I think that that's just not a possibility. Uh, that's just because you're not thinking except right here. Uh, and just like you, all of us uh, have, have had to work hard and find our direction and you give back. And there's a point when, for me, I enjoy that as well. You know, in the people business, uh, you, you, you may not see a, a big correlation between the two, but, you know, uh, what we do is is work with people and then, Tomorrow, you get a phone call, and that person's not the same person we were working with the day before. Uh, our our product that we sell is is very difficult to manage and maintain because we're human beings, and so I can relate to everything you're saying, and especially getting people into a business when they say, "Oh, well, I went to college for a degree, and blah blah blah. Why would I want to be a recruiter?" And, and you have to have a passion for this. Yes, there's a financial part of it that comes around, but you have your ups and downs, just like in your business. And you have days that are good, days that are bad. Days are going to be much longer because it's 110 outside uh, versus maybe in the wintertime or vice versa. And same with us during a recession, non-recession. So I can completely relate to exactly what you're saying. And, and I, lo- I love the fact that you're, you're really giving back now uh, and motivating and, and encouraging and educating individuals to understand this business. Is there, it's a great opportunity for anyone out there. Well, it really is, Bill. And I, I think, you know, I hear both sides of the coin. I, I hear people say, well, I can't find anyone to work. I can't get anybody to show up. But yet I still find great kids out there, man, because I'm looking for them. I'm not stereotyping everybody just because the young lady has a nose ring, she can take that out and come to your building. It's okay. You know, I mean, yep. there's, there, there, there are a million ways to look at opportunities. If you just look at them with an open set of eyes and, and, you know, a, a clear lens without being, you know, so stereotypical of everything. And there's a lot of good kids out there that are dying to work, you know, we're, we, we have five, almost six generations now in the workplace and to be able to communicate across six generations of people 
with one message is hard. You have to speak six different languages from people that are older than me, you know, uh, all the way down to the, the alpha generation that are coming out of high school. Now there's a heck of a lot of difference in how to communicate and what messages to communicate the proper way. And you just have to be open to learning and staying affluent, uh, or fluent rather of what, what works, what, what's resonating right now. Um, so it's just about awareness. It's about staying in the game, it, but you've got to enjoy the game to stay in it too. Yep. hundred percent. Really, 100%. really well put. Really yeah. well put. Um, well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us here on people process service and, uh, sharing more about your story, just about what people process and service mean to you. Um, and, uh, it's been fascinating just getting to, uh, getting a chance to learn a little bit more. And I hope the audience out there really enjoyed getting a, a glimpse into the world of the trades, um, because it's, it's a fascinating one and one that you, it's so you needed, Tyler. I mean, yeah. it's, a need. it's yeah. not, it's something that I, I, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's not talked about enough. Yeah. Yeah. So really happy to highlight it here on the podcast, Greg. And thank you so much for, again, for your time. No, I certainly enjoyed it. I'm always willing to, to try to just, I mean, if we can get one person thinking differently about what they're going to do tomorrow, then everybody wins. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Just do it one, one at a time, one at a time, Greg. One at a time is right. Uh, gregfrumpton.com is the website if you want to learn more about Greg all of the different things he has going on because it's it's not just service logic Greg is involved in a ton of different stuff he also has a podcast himself called straight out of Crumpton um, and so if you I, love, to- I love that name I love the name I love that it's genius the doc <laughs> connector my buddy Howie Barber named that for me so he gets all the credit <laughs> love it love it love it Shout out to Howie for uh, for naming the podcast. And uh, so, yeah, check out more about Greg. Go check out the podcast there as well. Um, and stay tuned for more up episodes uh, of People Process Service coming at you very, very shortly. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and stay up to date with the latest. But for this one, for Bill Casco and Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to People Process Service, a Frontline Source Group podcast. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts. For more information, visit FrontlineSourceGroup.com. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.